1: You feel like you've done enough to be QB1 when week one starts? Uh
2: I feel confident with where I'm at. I feel confident with where I'm at and uh, in our overall um, developing as an offense. So I feel confident and uh, I'm excited to see where we go from here. Listen, you know, I'm, I'm a quarterback, I wanna play, I'm a football player, I wanna be out there every snap, you know, I want to play every snap in preseason, but that's just not how it goes. So there's one ball, one guy gets to go out there. Um, whoever, you know, if it's me, I'm gonna play, you know, as hard as I possibly can and be and be the best I can be. If it's Mitch or if it's Mason, whatever 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 it is, I'll support them and um, be ready if my number's called and be the best you know, quarterback on the sideline that I can
1: be.
0: Kenny Pickett and Mitchell Trubisky after Sunday's preseason game against the Lions, which did phenomenal ratings because the Lions are not darlings. Steelers are the Steelers, and they have a quarterback competition, and they played starters for a half, and they are a nationally followed team, the kind of team the Lions are trying to become – Huge, huge. That hard knocks bump people. That hard knocks six bump. Six million I, people. Yeah. On I a know. Sunday afternoon in late August. Right. More people watched that preseason game on CBS than watched any of the five Christmas Day NBA games in 2021, which yeah. is astounding when you think about it. The ultimate it captive audience other than Thanksgiving. Five games. Of course, the NFL took a bite out of those ratings by having a couple of games this past Christmas Day. But yeah, a lot of interest in the Pittsburgh Steelers, specifically the quarterback position. We'll be talking about that throughout the course of the opening segment of today show. Before that, I say good morning to Chris, who you're doing something different with your hair. I don't know what it is. It's almost like. 50s dad uh, yeah, you're a, like 50s sit mom dad what
1: today i'm cooler than a 50s dad i know that i mean uh, you know i get you you're I'm...
0: ward cleaver today
1: <laughs> screw you okay how dare you uh no i i definitely get you a pipe i'm going oh i i could i could do that well i mean that's that's oh. the mold oh. i mean as you oh, know oh. <laughs> hello tobacco pipe <laughs> yeah um but no i am kind of going for that <laughs> i got a haircut yesterday so that's why it looks different to you i did get a little trim And then I am going for like the 50s, whatever, madman look, madman classic, just, you know, part it, slick it. I'm doing that right now. I told you my family didn't like my short hair, so this is the one I'm going with right now, and I'm
0: slowly growing it out and going to have this look for a while, so deal with it, okay? Not that it stopped John Travolta, but you are way too old to play Danny Zuko. I'll just say that. Danny Zuko is who?
1: Who's Danny Zuko?
0: You don't know who Danny Zuko is. I know the name. I know you weren't born when the movie came out, but Grease. That's Grease. Okay, main right, character. Right. I've in seen
1: Grease uh, many times actually because my sister was obsessed with it growing up, but I forgot. Apparently I not I, enough time. Well, I couldn't. I wasn't glued to it and remembering lines from it. No, sorry, and I did not. I was <laughs> like, hey, Danny Zuko. I've- I knew it, but I couldn't pick- picture who it was.
0: I've yet to start quoting some of the lines, although I have a few I would like to use on you right now. But Danny Zuko isn't a line. It's the name of a character, just so we're clear on how the whole movie script thing goes. I got that. Did I say
1: that line? I didn't mean to. I understand it's a person. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank you. (laughs)
0: By the way, way, I got a quick story to tell. And this is just an observation from my life. And I'm not intending to imply anything at all. Well, that's when that, I say this. Yeah,
1: that's a bunch of BS. I, we we need—that's <laughs> where we need the challenge flag right there. It I, sounds like some BS is about to
0: come out. <laughs> bear, bear, with me. Bear with me. Um, we have an area in our house, and and I, I'll be transparent about it. Look, we we were fortunate enough, thanks to our partnership with NBC and the overall success of the website, we have a house that has a a big safe in it, and it's a walk-in safe. It's a great place to go if like the stuff would ever hit the fan fireproof right it's a nice room so you have a safe room like a safe room not only for all your piles of cash
1: where you know you apparently can hide money you can hide yourself too just in case
0: but but there's nothing of value in there other than the one thing that is regarded by every family i would say in this country which they don't really exist in this form anymore but I think many out there will relate to the fact that your photos, that's your most important thing. If the house is burning down, because nobody has cash anymore, and we don't have a bunch of jewels and valuables, I mean, what the hell? You got a couple cars you may want to steal, but go ahead and take them. I got insurance. The the family photos are the most precious irreplaceable things that you can have. Now we don't need them because we're carrying around our photo album yeah. on our phone. right? But a lot of families out there, older families, middle-aged and older families, have photos. They're very precious. And you have a lot of them when you've been married 28 years and you got a kid and you got nieces and nephews and extended family and you get together for holidays and other occasions. You got a lot of photos. So anyway. I'm going somewhere with this, Your Honor. We have a lot of photos, a lot of photos, and they're all very important to us. And I used to feel. Well, yeah, it's just one of those things that's always nagging, like you don't have time to do it. When am I ever going to do it? I got too many other things to do, but I always felt very inadequate about the way we stored our photos because it's just kind of haphazard and they're thrown everywhere and there's no real system to it. I used to feel very inadequate about that. There have been some recent developments that made me feel pretty good about the way we keep our photos in our house, frankly. And that's all I'm going to say about that. Chris, I don't think you know what I'm talking about, but you'll figure it out after the show. I, I have a feeling I know what you're talking about, and yeah, I, I, but, but, but I feel very good about my personal photograph filing system today. That's all I have to say.
1: Okay, all right, that's good. But the, I, the the main thing here is that you have a safe room in your house. You just, I, I don't know why. I'm not really surprised. Like I was surprised at first, and then I was like, wait, I'm talking to Mike Florio, you know, a guy that's uh, likes to be in his house. Had them, you know, had times of being fear of flying, right? So now you got something in your, I mean, yes, I, I don't know. I, I'm shocked to hear it because I don't know anybody that I know that at least has admitted they have a safe room in their house, but that's cool, man. It's not man.
0: really a safe. It's a safe that is large enough that you can make it into a room. Wow! So, yeah, I mean, if Do you have to like a door down, or you
1: have to put in like the like the. Code yes. And, oh, yeah. That's a pain in the ass. Too. Well, damn, then oh, it's a safe a room. I don't know what the hell else you're talking about. Wow. It's if it's, you if, know, it's you know, if it can fit people in there, it's a room and that's unreal. That's
0: that's amazing. Uh, good for you. I remember when I went to high school and I had a locker for the first time and you had to get one of those padlocks with the combination on it. And I remember struggling with that damn thing. And you spin it this way. And I didn't understand the whole logic of you got to clear it. And you spin in the tumblers and all that. And then when it clicks just right and finally opens after you spend five minutes trying to open it, it is such a, a visceral satisfaction to know you're it able is. to get in and get your it stuff. Is. Yeah, That challenge, and I still remember that damn lock. I'd probably remember the combination if I had it in my hand. With the red dial, I, it's a thousand times more difficult. To actually, when you even know the code for me, it may not be this way for anyone else. But to actually do that whole thing of twist this way and circle back, and and then you just click it right into place, and then it opens. So yeah, that's a pain in the ass to have to do that. So we keep it obviously unlocked, jarred.
1: Yeah, right.
0: It's not a jar. The door's shut, but it's not locked. So if we ever would need. To make a mad dash to the room where we could, I guess, if we're in there, that's when we would better organize our personal family photographs. But, yeah, we can get in there and then close it. And there's a there's a, you know, you tw- there's that big thing on the other side. The the boss. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a real. Shot. So you
1: got man, this is yeah. this is special stuff. Wow. So, All right. So,
0: well, well, the message out there.
1: Message Especially out there the if you're going to send hitmen to Mike Florio's house, it's not worth it. He's got to save from him.
0: Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I my, my, my point, uh, and I didn't intend to go here, but apparently in Atlanta, there was a violent street gang that was targeting the likes of Calvin Ridley, the suspended Falcons receiver, Mariah Carey, and others because you know they know where they live and yeah, they're going to their house rich. and they're breaking in and stealing. Shit. Yeah, so we, we have. And trust me, that's just the beginning of the home. I live in West Virginia, so that's just the beginning of the home defense mechanism that we have here. <laughs> try, to, try to get in at your own peril. I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. I probably don't need to be any more clear than that. No,
1: but um, you're, anyway. that's, that's amazing. Yes. Now, you, you're, you made it clear that, yes, even if you do try to get in, that there's something on the other side they're still not going to want to see there. So I got you. I got you. Um,
0: All right, so uh, uh, what are we doing? Oh, we're doing a TV show and a radio show. Peacock, Sirius XM 85. Hello to our good friends in the UK and in Ireland, and they are enjoying the program or not on Sky Sports. And hello to the often neglected but ever-increasing podcast audience, whenever, wherever, however you may be listening. We appreciate you very much, and we are here to inform, entertain, and enlighten. At least we try, whether or not we achieve it, is a different issue altogether. Okay, we started the show some 10 minutes ago. Sorry. And you know, it's funny. I get I and I I get so many emails and I can't respond to all of them. And I apologize in advance and also after the fact for the ones that I just lately have not had the time to respond. But I do read all of them. And you can never make everyone happy because there are some people who like nothing more than our banter at the top of the show they love it i think we have to
1: have it i don't like with a show when we don't have a little banter like when we don't come when we come right in and go right to business i feel cheated out of the show i'm not even gonna lie
0: but i but i get complaints
1: the other way from
0: people who say hurry up and talk waste 10 minutes of your show talking (laughs) about a bunch of pointless shit so (laughs) so again i and and my response to that because i think i did respond to one of those is like that's the show thanks for listening That's my response to any criticism that maybe sometimes is over the top. Thanks for listening. Because you know what? If they weren't listening, they wouldn't know to articulate a potentially accurate complaint. All right, here we go. Back at the beginning of the show, now 12 minutes ago, we shared with you sound from Mitchell Trubisky and Kenny Pickett after the preseason finale against the Lions. Mike Tomlin said that same day that he wasn't going to tell anyone who his starting quarterback is. Here he is from yesterday. The question came up again, because of course it will. Mike Tomlin, are you ready to tell us who your starting quarterback will be on September 11th at Cincinnati? Sunday
3: night, you said you didn't want to make any knee-jerk statements, and you would let us know at
2: your leisure, are you ready to name a starting quarterback? No, I'm not. Yep. Oh, you're not ready to name a quarterback, but how close is that competition ahead of you this last you week?
1: Know, uh, you know, who's to say it's not settled? I'm just not making any announcements um, because it's fruitless for us. We just got work ahead of us, and and so that's not kind of on our agenda to make any announcements to, to feed the beast. We don't care about the beast.
0: Well, you should care about the beast because it helps pay your salary first and foremost. But secondly, I think he hinted that maybe he knows. And And good luck, Mike Tomlin. Godspeed. If you can keep your 53 players, your 16 members of the practice squad who will be back today, and a lot of those guys were cut yeah. and then brought back at a much lower salary, some of them may not be all that happy and may not be all that willing to keep their mouths completely shut when they whisper to their agent, hey, I think it's Kenny Pickett, or I think it's Mitch Trubisky, or whatever the case may be, and then the agent tells somebody, and they tell somebody, and the next thing you know, it's reported. It's not going to be easy to keep it under wraps. And no. every once in a while, you have a coach who thinks that they can, and they find out that they can't. The only guy who did, we talked about this earlier in the week, Sean Payton pulled it off a couple of years ago when it was – Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill after Drew Brees was injured and he kept it under wraps until he chose to announce it the Friday before a game. Usually you can't keep all those mouths shut because it's too easy with that many people for one person to whisper the truth to someone outside the building.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would think eventually it does come out. I think it's kind of interesting that he's not, you know, releasing it or saying anything. You know, we talk so much about how a lot of teams want to frame it around. Hey, this is our guy. Here's our leader. Here's our general. We're going into battle with this guy right here. And he's opting not to do that. And it sounds like just from, you know, reading between the lines there, just because he doesn't want to deal with maybe the the media fanfare and, and the conversation around it. And that, and that's more or less why he's just trying to keep his team focused on playing. And maybe he feels as if if, if what you're saying. It eventually will trickle out. You know, I got to think there are going to be guys who tell other players, agents, like you said. At some point, the media is going to get to come to the start of practice, right? And maybe be able to, to kind of figure things out there. Especially if it starts like the, the first drill quarterbacks do a lot of times the practice is quarterback center exchange, right? practice a few snaps, right? A few new calls that you might have in the game plan. And the guy who gets underneath the the first team center, hey, well that's the guy usually that's gonna be the starter taking the first team reps. So I, you know, again, those are inklings you could take away once the media is at a practice. But I find it interesting. I do. I know it's not an easy decision. I know that. Pickett's been great. He's a rookie. You know he's a you know he's the future. He's the the lover boy of the city. Everybody wants him, and he's done everything right. But you got another guy, Mitch Trubisky, who's done a pretty damn good job, too. And not that I'm there at practice, but he can play, and you know, is battle-tested to a degree. So I, this it is a tough decision. I believe he in, in, in what he is saying, that he made the decision already. Uh, I, I would think that he's got a, at least a 95% idea of who he wants to play out there, but We'll see where it goes. I'm still in the land, Mike, and I don't know where you are, but I think it'll be Mitch Trubisky when all's said and done, but I don't think he'll have a very long leash uh, with that.
0: The clues have been all over the place from Mike Tomlin in the preseason. There was such a limited appearance from Kenny Pickett in the Week 2 game that some thought, oh, he's seen everything he needs to see. Pickett is his guy. Then you see Trubisky with a full half against the Lions with most of the starters, and you think, oh, it's Trubisky. He played well. He's the guy. So he's done a good job of keeping everyone guessing. The presumption all along has been it is Mitch Trubisky's job to lose. Right. And they want to start with him, and then if they need to turn the page to Kenny Pickett at some point, they will. It's always easier to go that way than to flip it around and go from the rookie to the veteran because then you get yourself into a Terry Bradshaw situation. And here's the reality. Even though that was 50 years ago, you've got some DNA still. you still got Rooney's in the building. You still have guidance and lessons learned from this period of excellence that the Steelers have enjoyed. And it all got started after a couple of clunky years of quarterback shuffle between the number one draft pick Terry Bradshaw, Terry Hanratty, Joe Gillum. It really was a revolving door in musical chairs until Bradshaw finally became the guy that they wanted him to be. And part of the problem is when you play the guy and then pull him out. I remember when John Elway, young quarterback. Dan Reeves, the head coach. Yeah. There was this question of, did you play him too early? And then what are you doing? And how does it – you know, and what – what, who was his coach early on? Reeves came later when they drafted Tommy Ooh, Maddox. But yeah. there was early – early in Elway's career, I remember that question. I'm I'm taking four decades and cramming no, it Oh, I know. You're right. I can't come up ideas with a coach either. Out. You're right. You're Reeves right. and Elway got into friction over the whole – who was the kid from – yeah, Maddox, Nick Maddox. Was it Tommy Maddox? Tommy Maddox, Tommy Maddox. right, right. T- Tommy Maddox has two threads in this story because Maddox was the starter for the Steelers when they went with him and Roethlisberger eventually came in after he was injured. That, that was kind of lesson learned. Don't rush the rookie into the fray. So I think for that reason alone, what they went through with Bradshaw, the idea you can ruin a young guy or at least delay his development, possibly beyond the point where it can be salvaged, what they experienced with Roethlisberger, you just wait, you'll have an opportunity. An opportunity will come. We don't know how, we don't know when, we don't know where, but an opportunity will come for him to play, and then it just goes organically and naturally. I think that may be what they're trying to recreate. So Trubisky, good enough to get it done. Pickett is there and ready, and we don't need to rush it. It'll just happen. We'll know whether it's because of injury, whether it's because of three interceptions in the first half by Trubisky. We'll know when it's time to put in Kenny Pickett. And it adds to the fascination and the wonder. If you give the people what they want too early, then they're satisfied. Maybe part of this game is you want to build even more anticipation for the guy you called the lover boy of the city. Now, that's a new one for me. It isn't quite a (laughs) Simsism. I just think it's a product of a creative brain pulling words out of the air and yeah. slapping them together. Yeah, that's Lover pretty boy much of the city. Who knows? Maybe we can make it into a thing.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, we know there is great love for him in the city. You know, you, you said first off, Dan Reeves was the coach. And I, I was sitting there thinking, wait, I, who is it? I thought there was somebody else there. It was Dan Reeves. It was early years uh, with the Denver Broncos. So we, you, you were, you were spot on actually. Um, but you know, with, with the Steelers, I think, yeah, he is the lover boy of the city. It's inevitable at some point. Trubisky is going to have to play out of this world good to keep his job throughout the year, and the team's going to have to be good with that. Even if he's playing good, and we go well, Mitch Trubisky's not the problem. And they're three and four, or two and five. I mean, he's getting pulled. We know that. You know, Pickett has looked too good. The other thing is, like we've talked about, just the start of the season. I don't know if I'd want to throw Kenny Pickett out there in Game One against the Cincinnati Bengals at home, that would scare me a little bit. And then game two, the New England Patriots and having to deal with that crew there. And then at Cleveland on a short week, I don't think that necessarily is the best recipe for a young quarterback, let alone, like we talked about, Mike, with with uh, with an offensive line that I think is a huge, huge question mark. Like, huge. I mean, they were... You know, pushed around in just about every game they played in this preseason. They don't have a good look. So, Trubisky mobile played. I think that's where I lean Trubisky and think that's who it's going to be. And then, at the end of the day, you know, something you said at the start. Preseason game number three kind of says it all. It says it all. Mike Tomlin can say what he wants. But Trubisky started all three games. We have, you know... Nine, nine out of ten first-team reps and practices all through training camp seem to have gone to Mitch Trubisky, right? So that's where I go. I think he's just kind of avoiding a media storm here for a little while. It just doesn't want to make it a spectacle. He's trying to get a team that's looked at as the underdog. Underdog it is. Getting them ready for a big-time fight to start the year against the Bengals. And I don't think he wants this overtaking his locker room and taking away the focus on the field and what we got to do there. But – I think the star, or, you know, we can, we can glean into the fact that I think it's Mitchell Trubisky. I think all the signs are there that, that he's the guy and we'll be starting week one.
0: We also can glean, not just gleam. Glean, glean. There's a gleam, Close man. Enough. <laughs> Close enough. And, and I have managed to, through the uh, magic of multitasking, find an article. On the Dan Reeves John Elway dynamic. Here's the quote that caught my eye. Succumbing to outside pressure, Dan Reeves gave Elway the starting job over Steve DeBerg. Elway lasted five games before Reeves benched him. Right. His totals forty five percent completion percentage, five interceptions, fifteen sacks, and one touchdown pass. So that's the risk of putting the young guy out there. You can create issues i'm amazed that reeves lasted through 92 when that's how it all started between him and elway well it was rocky with the tommy maddox draft pick and yeah and elway was not happy with how that relationship went but i i i would have never guessed that reeves was there that long but i know and it started three super bowls there right it started off early on with having elway and here's elway's quote they were talking about me like i was superman like, I could walk on water. It hurt me in the long run. And that's to get back to our main point here. Lover
1: boy of the city.
0: Lover boy of the city needs to be brought along slowly. Right. Um, and, and build that anticipation. Ignore the chance for Kenny Pickett. They knew this. When you draft the guy who went to Pitt, you kind of know that you're going to get a guy who already has a built-in fan base in Pittsburgh. They were surely thrilled. By this I mean imagine that how often does it happen where there's a major college in the same city where there's an NFL team and they produce a quarterback who's a first round prospect and the team drafts him and you throw on top of it this is the transition year from Ben Roethlisberger to whoever who they're going to have who's it going to be and here comes Kenny Pickett I yeah. mean no wonder the people want him and I think Mike Tomlin is probably going to make them wait and you know what if they're winning games with Trubisky they'll wait they'll yeah, gladly wait That's right For Kenny Pickett to make his debut at some point down the line. All right. Um, Last year, obviously, the 49ers did not rush their rookie quarterback, who they traded up to number three to get into the fray. They stuck with the guy who took them to Super Bowl 54 and almost won it. Now, after a strange turn of events that no one saw coming, including 49ers coach Kyle Shanahan, the guy who was supposed to be out in Jimmy Garoppolo, is back. And uh, here's here's some of Kyle Shanahan from a lengthy press conference yesterday explaining some of the dynamics regarding the idea of Jimmy being out and now suddenly Jimmy being back as the backup to Trey Lance.
3: I think that was because the chances were, to me, it seemed slim to none, just with the possibility of that happening. I mean, I told jimmy came in here the first week of training camp like i told you guys we would talk i mean we we talked regularly uh, because he was up here he wasn't in meetings or practice but i remember the first week of training camp me saying to jimmy like hey if if you don't like any of these opportunities if you don't go to the place you want you can't get the contract that you want like we would love to have you here as a backup in a backup role um in that deal but i want you to know that we feel that way but I also think there's no way you're not going to get something as we, as this goes throughout training camp. And um, Jimmy agreed with that. And so we waited throughout all of training camp. And then as we realized, we were, I think as he saw the other situations out there, and I think to me it seems like everyone was just waiting for us to cut them before they, so they could see how much they could get them for. Um, but once the last Saturday preseason game happened and no one got injured, then – I Jimmy thought this was his best situation where that he liked. And that's why we were so pumped. Cause it's obviously a better situation for the Niners. Um, we love getting Jimmy back, but to have him there earlier in camp wasn't an option. I mean, we we're going to put him out there in practice, um, for his sake and for our sake. I mean, he was on a $24 million contract and he was going to go somewhere else. Um, but none of that came into fruition and which we would have ended up having to let him go under that current deal. That, that wasn't an option. Um, we were always clear to Jimmy that him salary cap wise and stuff in a backup role um, and supporting Trey and that. And if, if that worked for him, that was a no brainer for us. We just didn't think the chances of that were, were, were going to happen. And um, it ended up being that way. And um, so when it was all said and done, even though it was pretty shocking to us, um, we thought it was a win win for both sides.
0: And it is a win-win for both sides. We talked about that yesterday. Chris, as I listen to Kyle Shanahan explain that, I really am flipping back and forth between thinking that this was something that just kind of popped up out of thin air as they got to the 11th hour of the process and closed in on the moment where Jimmy Garoppolo's $25.62 million salary, when you include the 17th game check, would have become, as a practical matter, guaranteed, or whether they did plan it. I feel like somebody in that organization was smart enough to game this out and say, okay, here's what we're doing. Number one, we're going to wait for somebody to get injured because that's going to open the door for someone to give us what we want for this guy. Number two, we're not going to let him practice because if he would suffer an injury that would end his season, we owe him his salary if he's on injured reserve all year long, so we're not going to let him practice. And then number three, If no quarterback suffers a season-ending injury that results in someone giving us what we want for this guy and also offering Jimmy Garoppolo the kind of contract he would take, then maybe we go to him with a proposal. We have to figure out how to do it the right way. You know, they know Jimmy. They've had him around for five years. We need to figure out how to raise this with him. How do we raise it? How do we approach him? How do we make it look like it's something that just, hey, you know, we were thinking. I mean, we'd be naive, Chris to think that the 49ers didn't as they sat down and came up with a Jimmy Garoppolo strategy at some point cross that bridge of no one wants to trade for him, no one suffered a season ending injury to a quarterback, 24.2 actually 25.62 million about to become guaranteed, what is our plan C other than just cut the guy and let him walk away? I I kind of think somebody had this plan in place and I think at some point after they got, if not just before they got to camp, they knew they knew how this would go if a trade partner didn't emerge.
1: Yeah, well, I you know I, I, you know one I, I you know who it is. you know who it is. Go ahead, give them credit. go ahead. You know, you've written some snarky headlines about him, some annoying title, you know, titles that he's talked about. Do you think Kyle concocted this? A hundred percent. Someone
0: like Perog Marate came up with it. Who's kind of the genius behind the scenes I, in San Francisco? But
1: I know he's smart, and he is a, a huge, important part of that organization. And I'm sure Kyle's had conversations with him and John Lynch. But I, I just. You know, again, I'm I'm not trying to like. Pa- I, I just know this human being. This is he's he's thought out. He's smart. You know, he's made mistakes. Sure, we we know that, and maybe you know you know bungled a few situations as far as you know. We, we can all speculate about the draft, maybe, and all that. But at the same time, it's it's like it's all he thinks about. It's all he does. I mean, it's 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 consumes him twenty four seven. And he's always thinking of plans and thinking what's down the road. I just I've I've been with him for a long long time and, and seen how his mind works in life, let alone in football. So I think this was definitely on the radar, like you were talking about. And they knew like okay, in training camp we're we're gonna be smart. We're gonna you know he's gonna practice and get ready. Um, we're not gonna let him play or get hurt and have to owe him the 25 million. If we get a trade we like, boom, we go. And and then I think organically as it goes, they start to go, well, okay, Trey Lance isn't doing that good. No one's getting hurt. I mean, what's so bad? Jimmy G is a backup quarterback. That's great. Yeah, he might be breathing down, you know, Trey Lance's neck a little bit, but to what you said, so what? If you can't deal with that pressure, then you can't play quarterback in the NFL anyways. So I think it was thought out and then just organically happened and that's where, you know, again, I know you've thrown around Shanahan could maybe be the next Belichick. He's that type of thinker. There, There's no question in my mind. And you know me. I'm friends with other coaches in football. I wouldn't just throw that out there about any of my friends. It's it's something I kind of believe about the guy here. You know, he's he's a football wizard. He grew up in the business. His dad was a wizard. So that – and then I think, like, the other thing that's key to this, that – we we got to give him credit for here because, you know, we've we've gotten on him for other things that he's made mistakes about is just the lines of communication. The fact that he could keep this situation two major blow-up situations that happen all the time in the NFL, no matter who you are, but to keep the Debo Samuel thing good and whoa, it didn't really ever get too horrible even though the guy said he was never coming back and then to let to have Jimmy G, the guy like you said, in the Super Bowl, NFC Championship game, you know, throw him by the wayside, but yet still keep him there and keep the lines of communication going, honesty, this is where we're at, all of that, and now they're back together, to me that's key key as well. So that's where I'm, I'm going to give Kyle Shanahan a lot of credit for the fact of his honesty, his people skills once again, and I do think that this was – you know, on the radar, if the right steps happen, like you're talking about, no trade partner, blah, 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 this happens. Whoa, we don't like the way Lance is looking. All right. Well, if Jimmy's willing to take a pay cut, then we'll keep him here. And uh, it, just, it just happened to work that way, which is, it is really crazy when you think about it.
0: And I think the genius of it is, and you hear a lot of times people talk about E.I., not iq emotional intelligence more important than your intelligence quotients the right. idea that you know how to interact with people the right. right way and i think kyle i mean that was his frustration when all the stuff was happening with debo Samuel. who didn't have an opportunity to talk to exactly him. Debo. right wasn't responding to him because debo knew once this guy starts talking to him he's yeah going to talk he's me good he's good he wants me to do right right and and, and I remember saying early in the offseason, because it played out exactly the way that I feared from Jimmy Garoppolo's perspective. Because, hey, Jimmy, if you don't force your way out, this is exactly what's going to happen. They're going to squat on you until it's too late on the calendar if you get cut. For you to go anywhere else and get a good opportunity and get the kind of money that maybe they would offer you. Hey, Jimmy, you know, we love you. We'd love to keep you around, but we can't pay you 24.2 or 25.62 as the case may be. Here's our best offer, and their best offer is better than what anyone else would give him. What's he going to do? And that's what happened. And the big critique I continue to get from people I know around the league is Jimmy should have brought this to a head sooner yeah that jimmy should have rattled the cage rocked the boat and forced his way out at the start of camp he should have shown up and said here i am proverbial bells on ready to go deal with me and forced them to 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 make a move and and here's the other thing too and look look this doesn't happen very often but plenty of agents do this. And I apologize if this is going to be regarded as a criticism of Don Yee or Carter Chow. However, one of the most important terms you can have in a long-term contract that covers multiple years, when you get to the out years that have no guarantees in them whatsoever, you put a pooper get off the pot clause in the contract at the start of the league year. A $5 million payment due the third day of the league year. million of the salary becomes guaranteed, third day of the league year. Plenty of veteran contracts have that now. If you have that in there, what does it do, Chris? It forces decisions early because the way this played out, Jimmy had nowhere else to go, and the 49ers had no compulsion to make a decision based on a deadline. John Lynch said it last week. Deadlines drive action in the NFL. We all know that. You create a deadline in March, so if he is going to be gone, He's gone at a time when he's out there as the teams are making their plans at the position in the off season, not in late August when the depth charts are set. Although we've, we'll talk about this later in the show, the depth charts are far from set at no, quarterback yeah, for right. multiple teams. Right, but but at backup, not at starter. Yeah, you get out there in March, you got a chance to be someone's starter. No, no, no doubt. I, well, this is where it's, in, it's interesting to me.
1: You know, again, you know, first off. He took some of his leverage away by getting shoulder surgery. So that ruined it right there, right? So that was his own doing. He couldn't bring anything to a head when you go, wait, no, I'm going to get shoulder, shoulder surgery. He could have done that if he opted to kind of wait it out and then, you know, played hard ball. And there, we, we know that there was teams kind of interested at that point, calling, talking, blah, blah, blah. So when he did that, I think that ruined everything as far as off-season movement. And then when you get to training camp, I, d- I don't think he was 100%. It didn't sound like it. So he probably wasn't willing to go like, wait, I want out of here and want to go somewhere and start off somewhere new and not really be able to you know, do anything for three weeks and go there. I think he was, hey, I'm going to buy my time. And I think when you couple that with the fact that at the start of training camp, Mike, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, you know, I don't, Jimmy's, you know, as far as football is concerned, he's been with New England and the 49ers. Damn, he's been with some smart guys. I think he probably was looking at it, going, "Well, wait, what do I want to force my hand to here early in training camp? What, what, what's the what's worth forcing my hand to go to? What place is there that I go? Whoa, I want to force my hand because I want to get there. So that never came about, and then the trade and the injuries that never came about either. So I, you know, it, it, it's kind of odd how it played out. And I think your point is a hundred percent on with what what you were talking about with other league people. But I think Jimmy's camp himself or Jimmy. When he took, back the, he took back, I guess, the power to a degree as far as away from the 49ers to not be able to just to trade him anywhere with the shoulder surgery, but he also took his own power away to be able to make a power play and go, wait, I'm final decision right now. I want to be traded before this date, blah, blah, blah. And, of course, that didn't happen. So that's, that's where it's a really amazing, the, the time, timeline of events and the fact that we've gotten to this point where we're at right now.
0: Apparently, there was an item in The Athletic yesterday that that reported, but then revised and removed the idea that Jimmy Garoppolo deliberately had shoulder surgery when he did to prevent a trade. And it's good that they took that out, because that really is an asinine thought. He had power at that time, because they weren't going to trade him. We talked about this yesterday. No trade clause is meaningless. You're not going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to a place he doesn't want to go, and... If I'm Jimmy Garoppolo and they're going to trade me to a team that is going to take on the last year of my contract at $25.62 million, I mean, they're not going to come to me and squeeze me in August to take less money once they've given up real value for the last year of my contract, or they're going to give me a new contract on the way through the door that makes me happy. Right. So he didn't need to have shoulder surgery at a strategic time on the calendar to have power. To prevent a trade, he had all the power he needed to prevent a trade. And this idea that if that's even true, and it slows down his preparedness for training camp and all that, that, no, no, no. That that's if if that's true, then he's just dumb. Well, or his agents are dumb. Well, yeah, because they didn't need a surgery to keep a trade from happening. All they had to say is. I'm not touching the last year of my contract. You owe me 25.62 million if you trade for it. Or like
1: you we've said during the week, every quarterback basically has a no trade clause and just goes, "I'm not playing right. for that team." I mean, and they're going to go, "Well, okay, I guess we don't really want you." You know, I think you know, I I included I thought, "Well, maybe maybe he is making a power play here cuz he felt like he was about to get traded to some team and you know, but you're right, it doesn't really make sense. And I, and I think the fact, too, that the 49ers kind of let us in a little bit that, like, it caught them by surprise, you know, I, I even fell in the trap. Wait, is he making a power play here with this type of decision? But you're right, it makes no sense that he would have done that. And, you know, you got to put yourself in players' shoes, too, right, Mike, where he's going to go, wait, I don't want to get traded and then get there and go, hey guys, actually my shoulder hurts. I need to get surgery. That, that's that's just a crappy way to start your relationship with a new team. And no player wants to be under that pressure like that. It just makes you uncomfortable. So you know, it, it's uh, you know, I, I think I even went down that wrong road a little bit at first when I heard about the surgery in the offseason.
0: I will say this though, and this is a thought that just kind of popped into my brain as we're having this conversation. Yeah. Let's back to something else we've said about Jimmy Garoppolo. He has that George McFly quality where he's not very good at confrontation. So the surgery prevented him from ever being in the middle of this potentially acrimonious, no, I'm not reducing my contract. Oh, come on, Jimmy. Oh, come on. Come on, Jimmy. Work with us here. He doesn't get pushed by someone. They don't have his Jimmy is a nice guy nature available to use against him if you just go get the surgery. Then you never have to stand firm yeah. in these awkward discussions. And it was and, convenient. and I feel like that really is part of his personality. And I feel like the 49ers have used it against him. Jimmy's a nice guy. Jimmy doesn't rock the boat. Jimmy doesn't like getting into these hostile conversations. Jimmy doesn't like to stand up for himself in these settings. I think that's all part of it. So the surgery in a roundabout way saved him from having to be an ass. He didn't want to be an ass. He should have been. He needs agents to tell him when it's time to be an ass, because sometimes, you know what folks in all walks of life and all businesses, you got to be an ass. Yeah. You got to be a little bit of an ass to get what you want. Yeah. And, and I don't think Jimmy was inclined to do it. So the surgery was his passive aggressive way of being an ass.
1: Yeah. I, I don't possibly. I, I you're right. I don't, I don't disagree with that thought. You're right. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, he may, you know, again, it's something I think inevitably he had to get done. And, he went, okay, why not do it right now so I can kind of uh, maybe evaluate, you know, evaluate things around the NFL, and I'm not rushed into making some decision right off the bat. The season just ended. Whoa, I get, whoa they want to trade me here. Like, you know, Okay, now you get to sit back, you know, get healthy, kind of evaluate rosters and, and plan your next move. And you know, unfortunately for him, it, just, it never came about as far as the team, the right situation or anything like that. But I think he's in the perfect spot. And a and, and perfect spot for him for how the, everything shook out. And I think for the team itself, it's amazing that they got this insurance policy behind Trey Lance because, you know, they let go of Nate Sudville that tells you right away, I mean, you know, it wasn't like, oh, wow, he's so good, too. We want to keep him as a number three. It tells you they weren't even that, all that confident in him. If he was that good, they would have found a way to keep him on the roster, too. And go, well, you know, hey, Jimmy will be out of here next year. We like Nate Sudville a lot. He'll be the backup. So they didn't – one, it covers the backup situation. Two, it covers the quarterback situation, the starter, if things are shaky. Or, again, you know, I'm not trying to put a hex on anybody, but the guy played in two games last year and got hurt both times. Like, significant hurt. Not like, oh, he just got a little banged up. Like, whoa, his – And got
0: hurt in the preseason. And got
1: hurt in the preseason, too. So, like, to the point where, oh, the game against the Cardinals, the knees hurt and he couldn't practice for a few weeks. Oh, plays against the Texans, hurts his hand – couldn't really throw for a few weeks the right way. So, you know, that, that, that is where, uh, you know, it, the careful planning, the communication by Shanahan. Sure, maybe a little luck or mismoves moves by, you know, Garoppolo helped out, whatever else. But um, I, I do give Kyle a, a lot of credit. And I think it's put their team in a, in a much stronger position than it would be if Jimmy G was not there.
0: That's the other side of this magic trick, getting Trey Lance to understand it's not about him. It's not an indictment on him. It's not a vote of no confidence in him. It's not a reflection of any concern that he may not be the guy. Here is Kyle Shanahan from yesterday's media conference talking about whether this development changes in any way, shape, or form. The fact that the 49ers are Trey Lance's team.
3: Not at all. I mean, that's why Trey's our starting quarterback. I mean, I, that's why Jimmy wasn't an option unless he came in as a backup role. And that didn't become an option until it was clear that, at least so far, that no one was given the exact bit of an opportunity. Uh, but, yeah, this doesn't change anything. And I just feel it gives us, uh, makes us a much better team and doesn't hurt our cap like it would have. We felt very strongly, um, given the keys to Trey. We felt that at the end of last year. Um, we were really excited of what we thought that could do for our team as a whole, and we're excited about everything he's done and all these opportunities he's gone throughout this offseason. And I can't wait to get him started on our team in Week One. And having Jimmy there as a backup um, makes us feel really good because we have a very we have a starting quarterback as a backup. Um, and he, will, the rest of the league, had a chance to get him. And I'm just so feel so fortunate that. He's still here in that case, and, and in no way has that hurt our team. It's, it's only helped our team.
0: Now, look, he's saying what he has to say. The reality is Lance potentially is going to be a little freaked out about this. He's going to wonder in those quiet moments, is this about me? And maybe it is about him, and maybe he knows it, and maybe this is the challenge. We said it yesterday. You mentioned it earlier. If you're going to freak out and crumble because there's a veteran quarterback there who gives the team protection against you stinking? Then just go out and don't stink. <laughs> yeah, do do what do what Tom Brady would do, do what a high end competitor would do. If you're ever going to get it done in a Super Bowl or in a game that takes the team on the path to a Super Bowl, you're going to be able to deal with this. This yeah. is nothing. Yeah, go out and prove that you're the guy. Use it as motivation. Get pissed off. Sometimes it's good to get pissed off from the standpoint of of. Being a better competitor and doing your job better and wanting it more and and being laser focused because you're laser focused due to the fact that they've pissed you off. So they're trying to protect themselves yeah. while also get the most out of Trey Lance. And again, Kyle Shanahan, I'll defer to him on this. We'll see how it goes. But Lance, is, as I said yesterday, he's either going to step up or he's going to step off. It's all up to him at this point.
1: Yeah, it, it is. And, and, you know, hey, it, this is big boy football. It's a man's game. This ain't band camp. This ain't pee wee football. You know, team's got to do what's best for the team, not always coddle the star and make him feel good that way. Shanahan's doing what he thinks is best for the whole organization. He said that early for the 49ers. This was the right thing. And you know, hopefully Trey Lance can rise to the occasion. And the one thing I know with Shanahan, just like he said there in that that little that last clip we played there, he's gonna still build up Trey Lance here. He's gonna still, hey, listen, we we believe in you. You're the man. It's, I know Jimmy's here, but we still have given you more signals that you're the man than not. So let's not forget that. And I think that's very important. Hopefully Trey Lance can realize that, and and also realize that. There's just no free passes in the NFL. We were just talking about John Elway, definitely one of the five greatest quarterbacks in the history of football. Nobody would disagree. And they were trying to screw him over in year ten of, nine of his career for Nick Maddox. So, you know, oh, when you're in the NFL, the shit's going to hit the fan no matter who you are at some time. And you got to answer the bell and say, hey, you know what? Up yours. Here you go. Boom. Let's do it. And that's the way – and then he'll, he'll be even more regarded if he can handle this. If he gets through the first five, six weeks, and he plays pretty good and they're winning, he's going to become a legend in the locker room. They're going to be like, this guy right here, look at this, playing good, doesn't give a damn about Jimmy G behind him. And it's going it's to you know, make the team really rally around him. And that's what you've got to hope for if you're Shanahan Lynch, the 49ers, and a 49ers fan.
0: You don't get coddled until you show that you deserve it. Exactly. Your draft status gives you a certain amount of deference, but not as much as it used to. And I think that's part of what the 49ers had to mentally process as part of this effort to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around. You know what? It's possible Trey Lance isn't the guy. It's possible we were wrong. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. We ultimately invested three first-round picks and a third-round pick in a guy that Like every other guy coming into the NFL is a roll of the dice. There are very few can't-miss prospects, and sometimes even the can't-miss prospect ends up missing. We need to be ready for plan B. And if having plan B in place makes it even harder for plan A to remain plan A, all the more reason he's not plan A. Mm -hmm. That's That's the easiest football decision to make. You put a guy under pressure. No one has anything handed to them. They earn it. Very few people in that business walk away on their own terms. Eventually, they're all going to get pushed. Maybe Tom Brady won't. But eventually, 99% of the players are getting pushed. He got pushed out of New England.
1: Yeah, well, even think about Jimmy Garoppolo. He fits three Super Bowls, won. He went to two others and lost. Was in the AFC Championship game against the Ravens. Was in the AFC Championship game against the Broncos. And they came away going... I I don't think he's all that special anymore. He he's kind of plays the numbers game and checks it down and doesn't make a lot of big throws and the system's gotta deliver stuff for him all the time. And then they drafted that guy and they got whooped by Kansas City on that, you know, Sunday night game and it was on to Cincinnati. Sunday night. 40,
0: 42 right. to fourteen or something. And Tom,
1: like that. and Tom Brady was like, I'm gonna go full mass hole on you here now. Here we go. And he changed. And he started throwing lasers all over the place. And then, you know, even got in the deflate gate thing and all that and whatever. But still was like, screw you. I'm gonna go in the Super Bowl. The balls will be def- inflated. They'll be inflated the proper way. And I'm gonna beat the best defense we've seen this decade at this point. So it does take that attitude. It doesn't matter who you are. You're just, yeah, if you won a few Super Bowls, you might get a two, three years of graceland. But I mean, even me, look at me. I played for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was year two after they won the Super Bowl with Brad Johnson. And I was breathing down his neck to be the starting quarterback. So, it's just there's no free passes in this league and and it's
0: it's not easy and and Trey Lance is he's learning that right now. As much as I love the sound of 2 3 years of Graceland I assume you mean grace period. Grace period, I assume yeah. that's what you mean. I did, but Although I, that I might have really stumbled do. into something there, yeah. I really do like two to three years of Graceland. Hey, Not Graceland, the, the family's Presley there, there The drinks are flowing, the drugs are flowing. It's Graceland. <laughs> they got the go-karts out in the front yard. <laughs> right. The, the, right. I, I, you know what? My wife and I watched the Elvis movie last yes. week. Yes, yes. And. So did we. I. I didn't know, and I still don't know whether I liked it, but I'm still thinking about it a week later. So I guess that means I liked it. It's a great story, you know?
1: right? It's a great story about a like just an unreal guy, and you, I, there was things you didn't know. It was filmed a little weird, I guess. That was what was weird to me. That's
0: I, the Baz Luhrmann. I know, it's busy, the Moulin too Rouge, too right? Right.
1: Yeah. yeah. I know. So I guess I didn't love that at first, but still a great story, and, man, I just didn't realize some of the stuff he kind of went through and had to deal with.
0: The sad part is the common thread for so many of these ridiculously popular and talented musical acts. There's always going to be some parasite there that eventually bleeds him dry. And who knows how, because it's written from the perspective, obviously, so we have sympathy for the star who gets financially pillaged by Colonel Tom Parker, if that was even his name. And apparently it wasn't. But it seems like every one of these stories, it's the same thing. Rags to riches to rags to drugs. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty much it.
1: Right. It is. You know, it's a little bit like, you know, you talk about the quarterback, how they, you know, they use it against them. They use it against players. You know, I think you look at star musicians like that. He's just like, I just want to play music and and make music and entertain people. You guys figure out this other stuff. And then they get down the road and go, wait, I've made so much great music. I should be sitting on a billion dollars. And they go, what? I don't have any freaking money. And yeah, it's, it's like it almost gets used against them, their great love and just entrenching themselves into that, just like a football player, where you know a lot of the times, yeah, the team uses that against you in a contract negotiation, and you sit there and go, all right, I just want to get out there and play. Forget it. Okay, it's not the contract I wanted, but so what? Uh, so I, I could see the parallels there a little bit.
0: One thing I have learned over the years, there's an inverse relationship between artistic talent and business acumen. You just there are very few that have a high degree of both. Some do. Yeah. Some do. Me. And some acquire it by learning it right by getting burned. I got screwed early in my career. Right. Here's what I'm going to do to take charge. Like right. a prince, like a Bruce Springsteen. Plenty of others don't have the chance to rebound from that. And and they, they're not wired to care. They can't they, they don't like it. They don't feel comfortable in that world. They feel comfortable in their world of yeah. creating art. And so yeah. anyway, we have wasted both. The that first was a good talk. And the last ten minutes yeah. of this segment. Go watch Elvis if you haven't seen it yet, and then you can decide for yourself whether you like it or whether he did indeed get screwed. And he did. Uh, Sims caught up with Josh Allen last week, and Josh Allen revealed the moment that he knew the organization was all in on the 2018 first round draft pick. More PFT live right after this. One time it did hit me was obviously during the match, right. you know, playing in, in that little golf deal
2: with Tom and Aaron, who yeah. quarterbacks I've idolized my entire life, right. looked up to, and then playing with Pat, who we know what he's done so far in his career. Um, so that that was a little surreal to me, and I kind of even leaned over to Pat, I was like, this is freaking crazy. <laughs> so, and he he felt the same way. Yeah. Um, but again, like, there's so much work to do and so many more accomplishments you know that I, I want to accomplish and I want to bring a Super Bowl back here to Buffalo and, and allow these fans to enjoy that so we
1: got work to yeah. do. Did you learn anything with those guys just playing being out there with Rodgers, Brady? Brady giving you, calling you a little chunky? How dare he? How dare he? How dare <laughs> he. he won't race me though. <laughs> no he won't, he won't definitely not. He won't tackle me. <laughs> he won't do that yeah, either. We'll <laughs> no he can't. I'll, I'll, I'll give you the edge there for sure.
0: Boy I would pay a whole lot of money to watch Josh Allen and Tom Brady go for a couple of rounds. <laughs> I think Tom Brady's smart enough to know that. Uh, yeah, he's he don't not going to win mess that with one. Josh yeah. Allen.
1: Right? Yeah, don't don't mess with that guy. He's just uh, he's such a naturally big, gifted guy. He's got a great charisma. Just like you know, we see with all these quarterbacks. I know you get to talk to a lot of them. You know, during the years on Sunday after games, you, you know, you you can just tell the ones that the, the stars have a certain charisma about them where you get off the phone with a Mahomes or a Burrow. I've seen you do it, Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen. And there's just an energy in the way they deliver things to where you just go, you know, hey, the other quarterbacks I talked to were cool, but these guys just have a little something more about them. And, yeah, they got a little something more about them on the field, too, that makes them special. And he's certainly one of the the special ones we got in the league right now.
0: Well, I think the the nicest thing I could possibly say about those three guys, Allen, Burrow, and Mahomes, Mahomes, right success at an early age did not change them right right they're still the same guys that they always were and that's very refreshing to see and that's a testament to their character because it's too easy and it's too tempting to suddenly act big time and now i'm not available nah nah i'm not i'm not nah or or being very brief and
3: yeah informative and
0: unhelpful They, they 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 get it and alan gets it and Every time I see you next to a guy like Josh Allen, it, I understand how big that person is because, as I would have been reminded if I'd actually gone to Stanford on Monday, you're a big effer, and Josh Allen's an even bigger effer than you.
1: He is, and he's wearing, like, you know, baggy clothes right there. I'm, you know, it's, he's, he's just a naturally big, strong guy, and we get into that. Like, his workout regimen, kind of what he does there a little bit, um, he, he's... He's not like totally obsessed with lifting weights. I'm not going to give too much away here as far as he gonna, I'm going to make people listen to this and watch it. But uh, it's just natural, God-given ability, big guy that's naturally big, doesn't have to work on it, and then has the work ethic and the drive to be great. And that's where you go, know, okay, well, the stars have aligned here. And that's where you get in the conversation of, is he the best player in football? Is he the best quarterback in football? And to me, yeah. Him and Mahomes are the best in the sport right now. I think they're kind of on another level from the rest of everybody. That You could put them on any team, any system, and you're going to go, they got a chance to win because they got that guy. It's kind of like LeBron James in basketball. It reminds me of Aaron Rodgers 10, 11 years ago where you just go, oh, the defense isn't that good. They, they don't have a good O-line. Oh, but they got him. They'll, they'll still probably be in the AFC Championship. And that's when you know, to me, you, you're, you're really special is when you can kind of conquer all of that no matter what.
0: They got a guy with the skill set who can make something happen when it all goes to hell. Definitely, That's the key. Play that was called isn't there. I'm going to revert to my schoolyard skills, which at this level are still better than any of the guys around me. It's funny. One of the things I noticed during the preseason, especially some of the younger players, they get to the NFL and you can just tell by the way they're moving. They think that their moves that worked in college. Yeah. They're they're going to work. Right. Yeah. And they don't. (laughs) I I know. So when you see a guy who does, that really is a level of special. It's one thing to be the man among boys. This is man among full grown men who can move as fast as you. And if you can, juke them and outflank them and get to the edge and not have them track you down you really got something going and that's what these guys have all right to pay off our tees from the last segment here is josh allen explaining to chris sims the moment that josh allen knew he had the full faith and trust of coach sean mcdermott all right you brought up mcdermott and this is like something i find like so you said how you
1: knew they liked you because they traded up for you but also like he's a defensive coach and i was yeah. always like I wonder if he'll really ever go all in on the offense and Josh Allen and just let it go. When did you know, like, you he had your back? Like, he was he was going to break the mold of the defensive coach like a Tony Dungy with Peyton Manning and go, you know what, this dude's real. Let's just go and attack with it.
2: Yeah, I think part of season three, you know, he had talked to me and just said, like, hey, like, he told the captains, like, this is your team. Like, here I'm giving you guys the keys, like you guys want to talk in meetings like if you guys want to say this before games like you guys do you and like when you're on the field like i trust you implicitly like take care of the football score points it's all that matters so right. um you know when you said that to me just allow me to play free and loose and, and be myself and not be a uh a robot of some sort you right. know where right. some some systems are heel toe yeah crossover right back foot plant throw right. it's just like you do you, this, like, why we drafted you is because of what you've done. Gotcha. And we want you to keep doing that. We don't want to change who you are and what you are as a player.
1: Right. When you're when he's open, just throw it to him. We don't care if you're. That's right. You took all the exact steps that are right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's refreshing as a quarterback. I, I can 100%. imagine that. Because I've kind of been in both, and I found it refreshing yeah. that way. And
2: I've heard stories. Like, Again, we've had a lot of guys, like Case Keenum's been in a lot of different systems. Matt yeah, Markley, right. Been in a lot of different systems. And, like, to hear stories about how their systems were, how concepts were ran. And they're getting here and like, dude, this is this is awesome. Like right. the respect that the coaches give us here, the leeway on the field of like, hey, like just figure it out. Yeah. Like it makes you feel like a grown man playing football. Right. You know, and that's that's what we are. We're
0: grown men playing football. You gotta let us be grown men. The- There's so much in what he said that explains why Russell Wilson isn't in Seattle anymore. This is exactly (laughs) what Russell Wilson is looking for. And for all the people out there who, whenever I say Wilson wanted to play for a team where the offense runs through him and they say every offense runs through the quarterback. Well, no, it doesn't. The bills decided after the first two years with Josh Allen, he's good enough. He's smart enough. He's talented enough. Just let him go do his thing. Let this guy blossom. He knows what he's doing. We don't have to micromanage him. We don't have to make him fit into our system. We'll make our system fit around him. That's right. That's the key. Not every guy can do that, but when you have a guy who can do that, yeah, can you recognize it and do it and let him do go? It.
1: Right. Exactly. It is, and, and I think it's one of the unspoken things about Josh Allen is his brains and that aspect of him. You know, we all look at him and go, "Oh, you yeah, know, he's just a big lovable guy who makes plays and." You know, but but this is a guy that's extremely intelligent. You talk to anybody. I, I just know even in the pre-draft process, the teams that did, like, the advanced psychology stuff, Josh Allen was, like, blew it away. Where everybody was like, no, no this is the smartest guy of the group. He's the guy you want leading your team. So it it all is there. And, you know, to what he's saying there, too, and, and what you're saying, it, it's that's why it's, one, they're hard Not, you know, they're not hard not to root for up there in Buffalo because of the way the people they are for one and the way they approach their job, you know, McDermott having the the foresight or the vision to go, wait, I'm a defensive coach and I want it to be about my defense. But whoa, I got a guy here that's just out of this world freaky, like as talented as any quarterback in the history of football has that type of talent. Let me maybe not play the way I wanted to play because I got this guy. So I give him a lot of credit there, and then you know that last aspect aspect he talks about, or the first thing he talked about, just you know being the robot and everything there. Yeah, there's there are certain systems where. You know, Mike, this play, we want a seven-step drop. And when you get to the seventh step if the first read's not open, on the first hitch, we want you to go to the second read. But you're going, there's so many times in those type of offenses where you drop back, you take a seven-step drop, and you go, okay, well, I'm hitting step seven. The guy's not open, but I can see he's going to be open, so I want to take another hitch or two because it's about to happen. But – you know, you throw it in practice, and it gets completed, and then the coach goes, well, why? you know, you're on your you're on your second hitch. Why, why did you stay there? You got to stay true to your feet. And, you know, I wanted to always in some of those systems and, and got it to be a part of a system that he's talking about with Josh McDaniels a little bit where it was like, wait, I, I played enough football here to where I, I knew that guy was coming open. You know, screw your exact steps formula. We got a 20-yard completion here. What, are we going to leave it there just because we listened to the steps and we took the check down for five? And that's where I think that's really cool about that offense, McDermott and Brian Dayball and, and what they kind of entrusted into Josh Allen.
0: It's the disconnect between the coaches who are so obsessed with their system. It's my system. You will run my system my way or I'll find someone else versus, hey, this guy's pretty good yeah. running the system. Just, even when even when he has to run something other than the system, let's right. just let this guy do it. Just thing.
1: give them guidelines. You don't need to like make them like, exact like, hey, just hey, this play, we'd like a five-step drop. You know, but it doesn't need to be. All right, five step drops, small three, big two. Now, you know, when you hit five, first three, that, 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 that to me, that day is over to a degree. You know, you want some semblance of that just to give some of your young guys a little bit of a clue on the plays. But yeah, like to what you're saying, you gotta every now and then look at it, and go, "Wait, this guy's really good." We don't need to you know, teach him every little thing. Let's let his natural just talent and feel of the game come out. And that's to me what McDermott did and what Andy Reid has done with Mahomes and – you know, even even Aaron Rodgers, to a degree, I don't know if it was totally let go that way. I think if, for him, it kind of just happened where they were like, all right, shit, where the hell with it? We got to let him go because he's a freak of nature, you know, and get away from the West Coast stuff. So, But I think you've seen that a lot with some of the great quarterbacks, the fact that they had the good, the good coach to let it go and let him play.
0: The rosters were cut from 80 to 53 on Tuesday. When we return, some of the things that stood out to us as teams – got in line with the maximum number of players they can have throughout the full season. We'll do that when PFT Live continues right after this.
3: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well.